Hello and welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is your host, Casey Maluli, back with you here for episode 413. We've got everyone back around the table here and we're ready to go. Uh, we're recording this in the second week of October and today the CPI release, uh, which is the inflation reading, it's kind of become a, a big day here in the last couple of months for market participants and you've probably seen the at least the headlines because they're plastered everywhere but the year-over-year inflation reading came out at 8.2 percent which was slightly lower than what it was in September but the core CPI number came in higher than expected at 6.6 percent so there's a bunch of different numbers, a bunch of different ways to measure inflation, but just kind of wanted to, to start out talking about the elephant in the room here. The CPI is composed of uh, a lot of different parts. Um, part of it is what they call the core CPI. Uh, sometimes they'll refer to that as X food and energy. And earlier this year when we had inflation at these kind of levels in the eights, uh, it was primarily because of gas. And now gas prices are dropping. But, you know, as an aside, this month natural gas went up quite a bit, and that surprised a lot of people. But uh, the price of gasoline, which affects everybody who drives a car, is down and has been falling. And so some of these other parts of the consumer price index, CPI, Things like gasoline have been dropping, but other things have been continuing to increase. Yeah, I saw rent was one of the biggest um, components of that, and that accounted for about 40% of the increase alone was was just from from rent. Now, that's important to note because um, I think a lot of us here subscribe to Bill McBride's newsletter. He's a great follow on social media. Uh, he's totally plugged into the real estate market. He has been saying now for at least six weeks that what they refer to as OER, owner equivalent rent, has been dropping. And so when you see these consumer price reports come out every month and they talk about rents increasing, you have to know that there is a lag built into these things. We're looking back and seeing where inflation has been over a period of time. Not necessarily going forward, but where we've been. The lag on that is, from what I've gathered, up to a year. And so a year ago, people were talking about how owner's equivalent rent was showing that this was going to be a problem in the CPI data moving forward. So not unanticipated. However, we're still acting like it's a surprise when it comes out in the data. Of course, like we all we all would like the number to go down because that seems like the only data point that matters now. But it's funny how that, that stuff just shifts over time because right now it seems like Fed announcements and CPI data releases are the only data points that matter in the market. I remember not too long ago when uh, the, the COVID rates were the only data point that mattered in the market while we were waiting for the vaccine to come out and all of that. That was swinging the market around on a day-to-day basis. And I'm sure we could think of what the in-vogue data point was before that. And so not to say that these things don't matter, but they 
it's it's funny how we just move on from these things and forget them over time because all of the data is what feeds into the market it, but it's just at any one point in time we we just tend to get overly fixated on one point so tim this morning we were talking about when the news came out about how the markets reacted very poorly yeah. uh but the the numbers themselves didn't really seem that no. far off i mean i was watching the futures um this morning and they were up 300 points but like in the back of my head i was like as soon as 8:30 comes around and the number comes out it's going to plummet and that's exactly what happened honestly like you refresh your your homepage uh, on it looks fake the way that it happens it's just up 300 to immediately down 350 based on the number and part of me thinks it i mean it's wishful thinking to say but i feel like people just need to readjust their expectations when it comes to these kind of numbers because the headline number seemed to peak in July or August around 9% and the numbers themselves are coming down they're just not coming down as fast as everybody wants it to be and everyone wants instant gratification it it should be back down to 2 or 3% by Christmas and I mean, we just need to accept the fact that that is not what is going to happen at this point, barring some kind of ridiculous event. I just, I, it's not going to happen. Right. Not at this point, but at some point we're going to get to a period where the year over year comparisons for inflation increases are, are going to level off and start to actually show negative numbers. Those numbers will be correct, but it's like then people will start to dig into, well, which numbers do you want to use to fit whatever kind of narrative you want to twist about the economy and and the markets? Um, Just using the eye test, I know here where you're talking about gas prices and they've been falling, um, driving down Route 35 here in Wall Township, gas prices have gone up about 20 20 cents over the last couple weeks. So I mean, if gas prices are going to go back up and then, you know, what part of the economy and what industry is feeding into these headline numbers? I mean, it, it, it swings. So you don't really know what's going to happen in the next couple months. So just to kind of recap, I know you touched on it there, Tim. So all of the so the data that was reported today was actually numbers from September. So the the data comes out a month behind. In July, the year-over-year number, which was June's data, peaked at 9.1%. In August, that was 8.5%. September was 83 And then this month, it was 82 So uh, just kind of wanted to, to provide that context there. But to your point about the numbers kind of starting to roll off, I know a couple of weeks ago we, we talked about and referenced a chart from Bespoke, which looked at just different scenarios of inflation rates increasing and what that would do to the numbers um, rolling off. So without a month-over-month increase of 0.7%, anything less than that next month will get the headline number into the sevens. So that just kind of speaks to your point about, um, you know, the different, how these things are measured and what we think we can expect moving forward. I know the, the big talking point now is 
there's kind of two camps. It's it's the Fed people saying that the Fed should wait because this data is all there's a lag and they should kind of wait to see the full effect of their their moves or they should get to their terminal rate as soon as possible. And they've been talking about getting that to uh, four and a quarter or four and a half percent for, you know, they've kind of been signaling that for several months now. They're all on the same page, which I know we've talked about before, but they've all said that they're kind of sticking to their plan here. And I think, you know, it's kind of been the same thing for a couple of months now where we have the inflation reading number come out and then we see some sort of signs that it might be cooling in the weeks in between and then it comes out and it's worse than everyone expected. And that means that the Fed isn't going to pivot, which means that yeah, it just Fed pivot is dumb. It's it's just a dumb fantasy. I was gonna say I hate to break it to those people, but the, they they're not gonna do that. It's interesting though because I think we talk about how markets hate uncertainty, and it's kind of like it's been the same story for the last six months. So like, why is anyone surprised at this point? It is interesting just to dial back for a, a minute or so. Um, we talk about how year-over-year inflation will hopefully show negative numbers as we move forward, that you know we'll start to see inflation cool off, and we'll actually have what they call not deflation, but disinflation. We still have inflation, but it's coming down. In the 70s and into the early 80s, we had you know years where we had Five, 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 sixes, sevens. Then we had nines. At one point, we had eleven, uh, and then the, the last year, nineteen eighty one, we had thirteen percent inflation. That is on top of the previous year's increase. So start stacking up all of those numbers, and you can see how you know we got from twenty eight cents a gallon of gas for a gallon of gas to you know almost five dollars now i think i think that people should be careful what they wish for because we all want the number to come down and faster because we want the market to come back and faster but getting there incrementally is probably better because at some point if we're talking about disinflation then we're going to get scared about deflation which is not it's not a good thing that means that economically we're in a bad situation so uh, that probably means that people have lost their jobs and other stuff is going wrong and uh, you know inflation stinks and nobody likes what the market has done this year but I think that wishing for all those numbers to precipitously drop in such a way that it would get us back to the two percent inflation faster, like the get it over with narrative, I think the reason that the Fed isn't just taking us to whatever they consider to be their terminal rate is because it would break a bunch of stuff in the economy and cost a lot of people their jobs, real world ramifications that none of us want to bear. So we got to go slow and get there. And I guess we get to complain about it along the way because that's what we do in life. It's, a, it's, a, it's weird to watch people in the market and investors hope for some of these economic indicators to to go up in terms of you want to see they want to see the the economy slow down and and shrink um it's almost like a recession would be good because then the fed would stop raising rates which which means stocks could go back up and it's like 
you're rooting for jobless claims to go up and now mortgage rates are at 7% and people can't buy houses. And it, like Brendan's saying, there are real world ramifications to it just so that the Dow can get back to where it was a year and a half ago. Like it just feels, it yeah. feels weird I, I, I to be, root for that. I want to be clear for everybody and for all the listeners to understand a recession is the last thing the Fed would want. And so they're super nervous about raising rates aggressively as they are now and be at the risk of flipping this economy, which is still really strong, flipping this economy into a recession because they're going to immediately have to pivot and they're going to lose whatever little credibility they have left. It will be gone. And so the last thing that the Fed wants is a recession. Maybe me and Uncle Jay... Powell are the only ones out there who still think that they can stick a soft landing. And you know, maybe I'm going to be wrong on that. So the problem that we're running into, and Brendan, you and I talked about this this morning, is that uh, we're starting to see other things start to break, not necessarily here at home in the U.S. economy, but we're starting to see other countries, I and mean, for goodness sakes, the U.N., United Nations came out last week appealing to the Federal Reserve saying you have to stop these rate increases because with the rate increases, we see the dollar get stronger and stronger and it is starting to really crush some of these other currencies and economies around the globe. It's really starting to do some damage. Yeah, I know we talked about uh, two weeks ago now the whole uh, pension system almost failing or rumors that it was failing over in in the UK. And now the Um, UK has had to, they've had to pivot and do move from quantitative tightening, tightening to quantitative easing. They're actually buying bonds back in the market. The politicians are also walking back the nonsense. Yeah, they walk back the tax cuts. Trust may be one of, she may have one of the shortest reigns as prime minister in the history of the UK. Yeah. We'll see how that all shakes out. One of the other things that came out today was the fact that the Social Security benefits are jumping 8.7%. This is, there's a provision written into the Social Security code. It's kind of like a inflation rider, so to speak, where they take the inflation data that's coming out and adjust the payments for those receiving Social Security. It's uh, been a fixed income over the last year. These changes are going to go into effect in the beginning of 2023. I know last year, Bren, we talked about the same thing. I think there was a 5.9% increase last year. Um, So again, that's 8.7% increase to the monthly number that you receive from your Social Security check. I think the big the big boon in this year's uh, is the fact that Medicare premiums won't be re- uh, raising commensurately because uh, a lot of people uh, lamented last year that the increase they got was almost entirely eaten up by Medicare premiums jumping alongside it. So uh, that should be a nice boost. And uh, you know, for all the hand wringing about Social Security as a system, it is one of the most valuable things to retirees out there. I mean try to find uh, an inflation adjusted annuity income any place else you're not you're not gonna yeah. they don't do them anymore 
And it's nice to see because there were several years in a row, I believe it was 2014, 15, 16, where there was no cost of living adjustment. There was no inflation. Right. So, so they don't need one. So I guess you get, you get to choose your fighter because you can either have that economy where you're not getting an inflation adjustment, prices are staying flat, uh, and I guess if, if you're an investor, your stocks are probably rising. You're not getting much on your fixed income uh, during that period either. Now you can get a higher rate on, on safer investments. Uh, you get a boost in your monthly benefits, but your stocks are probably down. So, uh, you know, you, you can't have all of, all of those positives uh, at once. There's got to be something going the other direction. So what's, what is someone who's got money in the market to do? Uh, at this point. I mean, when this report came out this morning, Dow futures, like Tim said, went from plus 300 to, at one point, it was minus 500. Mm -hmm. How old is this hypothetical person? Right. (laughs) Yeah. It depends. There's a lot that gets added into it because I think when you turn on the TV and whether you're watching CNBC or Fox News or Bloomberg News, there's people on there for eight months, nine months now saying, you really should do something about your stock market portfolio. And I don't necessarily know if that's the right guidance. Every situation is going to be different. But it's a, it's a question we're getting asked every day. I think, I think the message is the same as it has been over the last year that we've kind of been talking about this stuff. There's a difference between trading and there's a, investing, which we've talked about a lot over podcast videos, blog posts. And yeah, if you're trading, then you should you should be the ones that are waiting for the 8.30 news to drop, basically, and adjusting your position accordingly. That's what their job is. When you're investing for retirement, I think, you know, we have to pay attention to this stuff. But we always say to people, it's our job to worry about this stuff. It's our job to talk about this stuff. So you can go and live your life and not have a crappy day because inflation reading came in hotter than expected. I think it's also important to uh, just remind folks that when they're watching this financial entertainment channels, they're not talking to you. These are people who are getting on who are actively trading their portfolios on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. That is, for the most part, that is not you. And so a lot of times folks you know, turn away from the financial media and they're like, I'm confused because, you know, everyone on TV is saying that we should head for the hills, but really prices are starting to get pretty attractive. So what is it? What's the answer? When you talk about a a go forward basis, again, it's kind of, do you want to look in the rear view mirror or do you want to look out the windshield where you're actually going? And I think you know, the story in 2000, the story in pretty much all of the 2010s and into the, the last couple of years here was valuations are too high. Something has to happen and you're earning no money on your fixed income. And now we're getting to a place where valuations actually look pretty attractive on a go forward basis. And you can get 4% at basically, I don't want to say no risk because there's always risk, but you can get 4% on your fixed income when that wasn't the case at this time last year. So to me, going forward, that is probably the most attractive it's been in a long time now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that your stock account is, is down now, but 
as we've said throughout this year, that's the price of, of doing business and investing for the long term. You have to you have to withstand that stuff. There's no other way around it. Yeah, I, I think looking at the you know what the bottom line is in your account on a day to day or or even month to month basis is going to be very frustrating. Brendan's talked and written a lot about sunk costs and how we may have had money gained over previous years, we're giving some of that back now, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we've lost. What the market's doing this year is man-made. It's the overcorrection for keeping the markets afloat during the whole COVID pandemic. We pretty much were in uncharted territories there. From a financial standpoint, we tried this thing out and now we're paying the price for it. Tim, to your point, it was like, now we're in a spot where we're rooting for economic data that's not good, meaning jobs numbers, basically. Yeah. Um, and during the whole pandemic in 2020, it was kind of this weird thing where the real life was horrible, but the market was doing great. And it was this weird disconnect. And now we're in the reverse of that, where in real life, People are doing pretty well, but the market's not, so. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, in 2020 when all of the stimulus and COVID relief and everything, they pumped a zillion dollars into the economy. Um, there were a, a lot of people out there saying, like, this isn't going to end well. It's going to come back to bite us eventually, and now it's come back to bite us, and everyone's surprised that it's biting us. It's like, well... You know, it, the, the, the party wasn't going to last forever. Something was going to happen eventually. Um, it's just, for me, I, it, and it's, like you said, it's the difference between long-term investors and traders, but, like, the, the knee-jerk reactions every time a piece of economic data comes out, it's just like, man, I don't, <laughs> how are people still surprised that this is, this is happening? Yeah, to that point, Nicholas Colas who was actually on the Compound and Friends with the guys from Ritholtz. It's a pretty good podcast. He used to work for Steve Cohen and had some pretty yeah. interesting things to say. Uh, he was quoted in a Yahoo Finance article. We'll link it up in the show notes. But at the time of this writing, the S&P 500 was down 23% year to date. Um, but nine single days make up the whole decline. Without those nine days, the market would actually be up 8.6% for the year. And he pointed out that the bad days largely occurred on days with bad macroeconomic or Fed-related news. It's pretty amazing. If you look at the headlines, and we watch the news all the time here, and so we, we see what's going on when these headlines cross the tape, uh, you would think, and I mentioned this on a video, that you would think that uh, the S&P is not down 23%, but down 53%, just based on the headlines. It seems terrible, but when you start digging into the numbers, it's it's down. We're not gonna, you know, try and get cute about that. And it's it's honestly, I think it's pretty remarkable that with all of the inflation and crazy headlines that we've seen, that we're not down more. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, we'll definitely be here to talk about it. This was episode 413. Tim, you want to say anything about the Jets while we got a second? <laughs> I got in trouble last week for saying the Jets were going to lose to the Dolphins. Um, so 
they're going to beat the Packers. Why not? All right, here we go. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back with you next week for episode 414. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.